The views in this do not necessarily reflect the views of WKNC, Student Media, or NCSU. You're listening to Eye on the Triangle on WKNC 88.1. Good evening, Raleigh, and welcome to this week's Eye on the Triangle. The time is 7.14. It is Tuesday, September 23rd, and on behalf of the EOT team here at WKNC, I'd like to thank you for tuning in. I'm Nick Savage. Tonight we bring you an interview with Chris Brooks of the North Carolina ACLU about the new voting restrictions in this state. In addition, we have coverage on Banned Books Week, which is this week, as well as the first poetry corner of this semester, and of course, your weekly happenings around campus. But first, let's find out what's in the news beyond the headlines. This week in news on Eye on the Triangle. A brief rundown of the latest news. The vote to decide Scotland's independence Thursday, September 18th, resulted in a stark divide in the country. 55% voted to remain a part of the United Kingdom and 45% voted for independence. The verdict has also resulted in Alex Salmond, chief of the Scottish National Party, the independence campaign, and Scotland's first minister to step down as the leader of the party. The vote also had an instant effect on economies worldwide. The pound reached a two-year high against the euro and a two-week high against the U.S. dollar. Early Asian trading saw the pound spike 0.8% to the U.S. dollar and then fall back a bit, as well as Britain's main stock index opening higher. In response to Israel's plan to relocate thousands of Palestinian Bedouin from the Central West Bank, and possible further violations of the United Nations Charter, the UN Relief and Works Agency, or UNRWA, for for Palestine refugees, urged Sunday, September 21st, for other countries to step in and prevent the plans from following through. The act could violate the Fourth Geneva Convention by amounting to a forcible transfer. The plans, according to an Israeli newspaper, state Israel's intention to resettle approximately 12,500 Bedouin from the land east of Jerusalem in the yet-to-be-built town of Nuema. The UNRWA, though, states that most of those being relocated are registered Palestinian refugees. Those responsible for civil affairs in the Israeli military have said that various plans existed to aid the Bedouin to live in satisfactory infrastructure and that they have met and consulted with Bedouin leaders. The UNRWA says that those that were chosen to be transferred have lived in their current locations for decades, arriving there after fleeing the 1948 Arab-Israeli conflict and have been unable to go back since. At least three explosions hit China's Xinjiang province Sunday, September 21st, killing two people and injuring several more. The first explosion hit a shopping area, then two others exploded in nearby towns. Those blasts follow China's punishment of 17 regional officers and police the country is holding responsible for an attack July 28th, which resulted in nearly 100 deaths of police, officials, and civilians, as well as for the death of a pro-Beijing imam. The Chinese government reported that 37 civilians were killed and 59 terrorists were killed by security forces. 215 people were arrested. Unrest has continued to grow in Xinjiang over the past few months, attributed to the region's native Muslim Turkish Uyghur ethnic group, who allegedly are seeking to overthrow the Chinese rule. 
Uyghur groups and activists have reported that the Chinese government has placed repressive curbs on Islam, consequently founding the unrest, which Beijing denies. Just days after the Shia rebels in Yemen signed a United Nations brokered peace deal with the country's government, Houthi rebels raided the houses of a military commander and his allies this past Monday, September 22nd, in the capital city. The UN peace agreement called for an immediate ceasefire, as well as all armed groups in government buildings to leave the city. Government offices and army bases were also captured just hours before the agreement was signed, and rebels have continued to hold their positions there. Rebels have been fighting the Yemeni government on and off for the past decade. Since the last violence started, more than 100 people have been killed. Hundreds of students gathered together in Hong Kong on Monday, September 22nd, at a university in a week-long boycott of classes to protest Beijing's decision to rule out fully democratic elections in 2017. Students from more than 20 universities have come out to participate on the Chinese university's grounds. Hong Kong returned with a good deal of autonomy to Chinese rule in 1997, but the ongoing threats from Beijing for democracy has prompted threats from activists. And that's the news. Thanks, Sydney. As you may have heard, this week is Banned Books Week. The week is meant to highlight the value of free and open access to information. NCSU Libraries is hosting an event this evening to bring attention to Banned Books Week, and we spoke with some of the participants. Have a listen. This week is Banned Books Week, which gives us the chance to celebrate the freedom to read and discuss those books which are, for some reason or another, banned in schools, bookstores, and libraries. For 2013, some of the most challenged books include the Captain Underpants series, Fifty Shades of Grey, The Hunger Games, and The Perks of Being a Wallflower. And while one of those may not surprise many of you, I'm sure a few of the others do. NC State is recognizing Banned Books Week tonight in Thompson Hall, in fact, right now as this is airing, with some of our own students performing scenes and readings from some of the banned books and other pieces. The event is called Red, White, and Banned and is open to the public. It started just a bit ago at 7 p.m. in the Studio Theater of Thompson Hall, so you still have time to head out and check it out. But earlier today, we had some of the people involved with the event in the studio here to tell us a bit about Banned Book Week and their experiences. Banned Books Week is a time where pretty much the whole nation comes together, the nation of readers, that is, and celebrates our freedom to read. That's Marian Fergola, the Director of Programming, Planning, and Outreach for NCSU Libraries. She explains that Banned Books Week is really an opportunity for readers to stretch the boundaries of what they might usually read. Every year, folks try to ban and challenge books that they don't like what is said in them or the pictures that are in them. And so Banned Books Week is a time to celebrate those books and to really explore literature that perhaps some people don't want us to read. So it's a really fun time to celebrate reading and different viewpoints, maybe than ones we agree with. And you may be surprised about some of the titles that share the label banned. There are a lot of examples, unfortunately, of banned books. And some of the ones that you probably read in high school are banned. Uh, Call of the Wild is banned. Harry Potter's been banned. The Diary of Anne Frank, strangely, has been banned. The Bible, almost any book that has anything controversial, and some things you might not even think of as controversial. For example, The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn by Mark Twain has been banned, and people are very upset by that. I will say that a lot of times the effort to ban books comes from parents who are very concerned about what their children are reading. So we appreciate that and we can understand that. But Dave Pilkey, who actually is the author of Captain Underpants, made a great little video for Banned Books Week and he said, it's okay to not like books and to not want to read them, but 
the answer to that is just don't read them yourself or have your children read them. But that doesn't mean you have to take them out of libraries and take them away from other people's children and other people's hands. So how exactly does a book go about getting banned? Here's Marion with that answer. What often happens is that a parent will complain and a school board will take up the complaint. For example, last year in Randolph County, uh, Ralph Ellison's Invisible Man was complained about by a parent. And the school board looked at it and they took it off the reading list and took it out of the libraries. And then since then, it has been reinstated. So oftentimes the challenge or the ban gets reversed, which is nice because I think a lot of times it's a wake-up call to people who want to read these books and say, wait a second, you can't tell me what to read. So oftentimes the challenges or bans are reversed. And in recognition of Banned Books Week, NC State is hosting Red, White, and Banned tonight. Antron Burke, a senior in film studies, directed this year's program and explains what the event entails. Red, White, and Banned is um, a collaboration between the library and university theater. Student actors and student directors, producers, lightboard ops, we all get together to bring this, the works of literature to life for people to see. And one thing that we've done in the past is we've generally done older books what, that people would generally recognize. Harry Potter has been done. And we don't just focus on books. We do plays because they have been banned as well. Spring Awakening has been banned. Matilda on Stage Virgin has been banned. Wicked. Everyone loves Wicked. It's been banned. But Red, White, and Band Week is an opportunity for us to express our creative side and bring the literature to life for everyone to see. Because people don't always know that some of these works have been banned. And for such stupid reasons, like defiance against authority, it's, it's ridiculous. Yamila Monghei is a student who participated last year and is taking part again today. She explains her contribution to this year's program. We always take scenes or we do a monologue from a book and sometimes we do songs from plays, as mentioned before. And this year, we have a good collaboration of scene and monologue. I'm personally doing a scene from Captain Underpants, along with uh, Nico Peaks and Christian O'Neill. And you get to bring those books to life. And it's nice to see, you know, you read a book and you have your imagination, but actually seeing it on stage and coming to life is, is the yeah. beauty of everything. <laughs> Nico Peaks, another second-year contributor, adds that there are several other titles among the works represented this year. I will be performing a scene with Yamila from Captain Underpants and also with Christian O'Neill, where we will be doing a scene from the Lorax. But we also have people doing Hunger Games, Bang Bang, You're Dead, the absolutely true story of a part-time Indian. So we have a lot of different things. And the great thing about going to the Band Books event is this is completely different than what we did last year. Because last year we had like Of Mice and Men, Bridge to Terabithia, Spring Awakening. So every year, you're going to get something different. Patrick Narmi, another performer, has a particularly unique connection with the piece he's a part of. I'm performing a monologue from a show called Bang Bang You're Dead. The show Bang Bang You're Dead was canceled because school officials thought that the violence of the words on the page spoke louder than the meaning and messages written beneath them. For this very same reason, I too have suffered the sting of censorship. In high school, I was supposed to perform in front of my entire high school in the very same role I'm performing a piece from tonight. Unfortunately, my principal, North Carolina principal of the year 2012, Rob Jackson, decided not to let any of the classes come when we were performing, demonstrating his silent disapproval for what we wanted to show our fellow students and the messages we wanted to bring them. Bang Bang Your Dead was written by William Masterson. Its purpose is to raise awareness about the roots of school violence, which, as Masterson writes in his notes on the play, are not always easily seen. He hopes the play will help people see the tragedy before it happens and hopes to reach out to potential killers and thousands of audience that the play continues to gather.
And for those who couldn't make it out to see the performances tonight, Marion gives you good reason to make sure you catch it next year. One of the reasons I love doing this program is not just to celebrate books, which is great, but the students at NC State are so talented, and every year they bring their personalities, they bring their humor, they bring their thoughtfulness, they bring their passion to these pieces. And, like, we went to dress rehearsal last night, and they performed the lyrics, and I cried. (laughs) So, I mean, these are really powerful pieces, and these students are super talented. So we will keep doing this. Um, with the libraries and university theater as long as there are students who are willing to do it. So I really appreciate them. We couldn't do it without them. For Eye on the Triangle, I'm Nick Savage. Next, Michaela has a special interview with Chris Brooks of the North Carolina ACLU regarding the new voting restrictions taking effect soon here in this state. If you're not sure what that's all about, have a listen. Earlier today, we had Chris Brooks, the legal director of the ACLU of North Carolina, call in today to talk about voting in North Carolina. For those of you that don't know, there's this new law passed in North Carolina that no longer allows same-day registration, and now everybody must be registered before the October 10th deadline. There is also going to be a court hearing or a litigation hearing very, very soon in Charlotte, which Chris later talks about. So just for clarification, do you mind telling us what the old law was and what the new law is and how it affects us? I mean, there are a number of different changes, but... Let me highlight the big ones. Uh, first, uh, the General Assembly eliminated same-day registration, uh, therefore the Friday, October 10th deadline to register the vote uh, for students and for, for all voters. Second, the General Assembly taught early voting from 17 to 10 days. So uh, students uh, really need to get educated by going um, online to the North Carolina Board of uh, Elections website to learn uh, when those early voting days are going to be and where they can vote early. And then the other change is uh, previously uh, the law allowed for the counting of provisional ballots that were cast uh, at a um, at the wrong precinct. Uh, what would happen sometimes is people uh, were a little bit confused about which precinct they should be voting in, would, would walk into the wrong precinct, but the ballot would be either substantially the same or entirely the same, and they were allowed to pass the ballot in that precinct. Students must go with their correct polling place now on Election Day. Uh, changes um, made by the General Assembly put an end to out-of-precinct voting. So students really should uh, know what the local polling place is, uh, and they can learn that by going to the state of elections uh, website. Um, but the final thing that I'll stress is We've talked a lot about voter photo ID. There is no voter photo ID requirement for the 2014 elections. That does not go into place until 2016. That's right. Uh, this Thursday in Charlotte, the Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals is hearing our uh, appeal of an unfavorable district court ruling. We're seeking to have uh, the elimination of same-day registration uh, out of precinct ballots in a week of early voting restored. And, and, you know, fingers crossed that we'll be able to do that. But I think that uh, students and, and voters hearing this broadcast should plan ahead and make sure that they're registered to vote by October 10th and and uh, can vote pursuant to the changes that the General Assembly did put in place because there's no guarantee uh, that those will um So, are there any repercussions of same-day registration? Tens of thousands of North Carolinians relied upon same-day registration 
right to vote in 2008 and 2012 or the change of the voting address uh, in those years. And the folks who relied upon senior registration disproportionately were African-American, disproportionately uh, were young voters who moved uh, more frequently. So we are very much concerned that uh, those populations will be disproportionately impacted by the elimination of same-day registration. That's why we're stressing that students must register at the same address where they plan on voting or or they will not be accepted due to the elimination of the out-of-precinct ads. And also, uh, they should should double-check that to ensure that the the state board has the correct address for them uh, if they moved on campus since they voted uh, last time because they won't have the opportunity to update uh, that information during the same-day registration process. In the rest, the circuit court uh, enjoined some of these provisions from going into effect, which we're hopeful that they will do, but we, you know, students voters did not count on that occurring. It is a little bit ironic because the General Assembly argued that uh, these changes to the, the voting regimes were necessary due to uh, voter fraud, and voter fraud is actually a lot easier to perpetrate uh, absentee than it is in person. Uh, but fact remains that that's so you said that the General Assembly passed it because they were concerned about voter fraud. So is there anything else positive or something that will positively affect or impact the people by this with this new law? The, the fact of the matter is when you look at empirical data and study after study, uh, they show next to no or no a voter fraud that is stopped by requiring um, a voter photo ID, uh, which is not required again uh, for the 2014 election. Uh, eliminating a week of early voting, um, eliminating single registration, eliminating out of precinct balloting has nothing uh, to do with uh, voter fraud and in no way uh, impacts uh, that sort of non-existent problem. And, you know, I wish there was some sort of um, positive to highlight about the, the legislation, but there really is not. Um, there, there are a lot of measures that we haven't spoken about uh, that are similarly problematic. For example, the, the legislation in question eliminated pre-registration, whereby 16- and 17-year-olds uh, were able to uh, register uh, to vote uh, and, and basically get a, a wonderful introduction to um, democracy and, and civics, uh, and, and that has been removed by the legislation as well. But uh, I want to stress the folks, the younger folks on state campus, who not uh, yet be 18. If you are 18 by uh, election day, any open vote, then you can register to vote even though you are registering when you're 17 years old. Is there anything the um, ACLU is doing to kind of combat? This new law, I mean, I know you guys are probably helped with the appeal hearing and getting that on the books, but is there anything else? Yes, we are uh, a part of the litigation uh, challenging uh, these changes to the voting law uh, in North Carolina. Uh, and we're also doing um, uh, public relations events such as this, letting folks know um, how uh, they can participate in the November election, even with these uh, large changes to uh, voting in North Carolina. Uh, we do not believe these measures should be in place, but the real tragedy would be if 
have these revisions uh, scared uh, folks away from participating, and we want to make sure that that does not happen. Well, that sounds very inspiring. It was for Ion Triangle. I'm Michaela O'Connor. Thanks, Michaela. And now, for the first time this semester, we bring you Poetry Corner. Everyone has a story to tell, but how they tell it differs. Whether you're a poet, spoken word artist, singer, an actor, a musician, everyone has that story to tell. And here is the place to tell it. Welcome to Poetry Corner. Hi, I'm Caitlin Montgomery. Today with us is Leila Shakti, a graduate student in the Masters of Fine Arts program studying poetry. Layla will be reading a few of her recently published poems today. Welcome, Layla. Hi there. What is your first poem you've got for us? Um, I'm going to be reading the poem Ghost. It was published recently in the online journal Decomp Magazine. Ghost. I like how easily I see through you. There, the slumbering bulb of your heart between the dead branch thicket of your ribs. Your finger spindles of air slightly blue around each tip. All day, I feel their cold, constant touch. You are heavier than I thought. You cast long shadows in the dark. I want to spend all night talking into your silence. In bed, you curl your whole nothing against me, arm at my waist, my arm, breath on my neck, my breath. Thanks, Layla. That was great. What else have you got for us? Um, so... One of my favorite journals growing up um, is a journal called Rattle. It's a pretty well-established poetry journal, um, and I read it all the time because it's only poetry, and maybe I'm you not, know, but I like to read poems. <laughs> um, so um, they most recent, the most recent edition came out in September, um, and that is the Poets of Faith issue. So it's an issue devoted entirely to poets who identify very strongly um, as religious, as some sort of you know religious background. Um, and I grew up in a house where religion was certainly central and important. My mom um, is Irish Catholic and grew up in Detroit, and my father is a Tunisian immigrant, um, so Arab and Muslim, and so I kind of grew up with these very interesting um, backgrounds emerged in one home. Um, grew up very strict Muslim. Okay, so yeah, this is my poem. It's called 14 Sunday School, Three Days Late. I'm not stupid. I know how it works. But there was a time when she was just some virgin nobody too, small purse of her womb and her ordinary eggs, waiting like loose bones. Thank you so much. I'm really glad you came in today to read your poetry, and hopefully we'll have you back again soon. Thank you so much. Good to be here. For Eye on the Triangle, I'm Caitlin Montgomery. Thanks, Caitlin. And now, here are your campus happenings for the following week. Talk to me. Here's what's going on at NC State. Tomorrow afternoon, the College of Natural Resources will be hosting Dr. William Powell, professor at the forefront of genetic research for the restoration of the American chestnut. With the chestnut's destruction as one of our nation's greatest ecological disasters of the 1900s, and after the loss of about 3 billion trees, the American chestnut is facing a real threat. Efforts such as those pioneered by Dr. Powell will be crucial to helping this species evade extinction. Catch his talk at 3.30 in room 1216 of Jordan Hall. 
Thursday marks the opening of the Smoke and Mirrors exhibit at the Chancellor's Residence, hosted by the Gregg Museum of Art and Design. Never-before-exhibited selections from the works of John Manapace will be showcased, including excerpts from his personal library. Manapace founded the first studio photography courses at Duke University, as well as several classes at UNC. He has been called the father of art photography in North Carolina. The exhibition will be showing through early next year and can be seen at 1903 Hillsborough Street. For more information and directions, visit ncsu.edu slash g-r-e-g-g. Thursday is also the NC State College Advising Corps Information Session. The Advising Corps is looking for recent and upcoming NC State graduates with bachelor's degrees to help extend educational opportunities to all students across the state. Those interested in finding out more can attend the event at 6 p.m. in Park Shops, Room 200 on Thursday. Later Thursday night, you can catch NC State's University Theater production of You Can't Take It With You. The play is one of the most loved pieces of the 1930s and humorously explores a family's journey to finding fulfillment in their lives through more than just wealth and status. For ticketing and times, which extend through early October, visit ncsu.edu slash arts. Saturday is the highly anticipated or highly dreaded, depending on your outlook, football game against Florida State. Next Monday, the Office of International Affairs will be hosting Dr. Pachuri, the chairman of the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. An internationally recognized leader on environmental and energy issues, he will address the latest findings of the IPCC's fifth assessment report. The event is open to the public, but registration is requested. Visit oia.ncsu.edu for more information. All week long, you can catch the Gregg Museum's exhibit, Photographs of Conflict, featuring work by North Carolina native and NC State graduate Chris Hondros, an award-winning photographer for Getty Images, whose works have appeared on the cover of Newsweek, The New York Times, The Washington Post, and The Los Angeles Times. Hondros was killed on April 20, 2011, while working in Libya. The Gregg Museum is proud to exhibit his works at the David McCune Gallery, now through November 15th. Find out more at ncsu.edu slash g-r-e-g-g. This weekend at the Campus Cinema, the movies Think Like a Man 2, Tammy, and E.T. will be showing. Visit uab.ncsu.edu for times. For more information on these events and more, visit ncsu.edu slash calendar. For Eye on the Triangle, I'm Nick Savage. And this week, we would like to add that WKNC will be hosting its very first music movie night. That's this Wednesday, the 27th, uh, sorry, the 24th at 7 p.m. It'll be taking place at School Kids Records. That's over in the Mission Valley Shopping Center, and we plan on hosting this monthly. The movie for this month is Fallen Angel, Graham Parsons. School Kids Records um, famously does have beer on tap, and there will be plenty of WKNC freebies and merchandise. So be sure to go and check that out. And as always, if you heard anything you liked, you hated, or anything that just made you think, you can tweet at us at WKNC underscore EOT, where you can also catch up on more local news. Also, be sure to check out our blog at blog.wknc.org, where you can also download our podcast. After Hours is up next, and catch another episode of Eye on the Triangle next week right here on WKNC. We'd like to thank our international news correspondent, Sydney Bloom, and contributors, Michaela and Caitlin. For Eye on the Triangle, I'm Nick Savage. Good night. We'll